occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, welcome back to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 81. I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses on this beautiful, beautiful day. I'm trying not to talk about the weather. See, but you haven't been outside today. It's true. And I can out that in front of all these people. Actually, not true. Tried to hang the washing out as it started to rain. We haven't left the house because there was a half marathon, apparently. Right outside. Yeah. Abby says to me, two hours after it begins, it doesn't sound like anyone's out there. And I go, yeah, Rab. Because they've they've run away. (laughs) That's the whole point. And then she said, what, they're not just running outside? And I'm like, what, in a pen? <laughs> they're, they're all wearing, like, their Fitbit, seeing how much they've run. They're just loose, like a swarm of bees. I, I thought it was, like, a circle. I don't know how marathons Everyone work. runs in a circle, and that's why no one can finish them, because they're all so dizzy. And I live on, we live on a main road, but we face, like, the back, so we can't see the, the road outside. Yeah, thankfully. It's all sound-based. It would be so hot. I check the street using snap maps. Yeah, she is lazy. Like, we do have stairs next to our house that can just... Like, next to our flat that goes up onto a terrace. And she checks... I'm not lazy. It's just... It's a lot of effort. Mm. What are you talking about today, Kate? Today, I'll be telling you about the Paisley Witches and their trial. Interesting. I'm talking about the Delray Witch. Mm. Lana? No. Oh. (laughs) Um, So I put up some polls about the last episode yesterday... On our Instagram, at Miss Magic Pod, most people think that the Mad Gasser was a real person. Oh. And they think that Jeremy did commit the crimes over Sheila. For the most part. Not everybody, but obviously, you know, a good amount. So I feel like we're all on the same page with that. If we were in a courtroom, it would be a guilty verdict. Yeah. So you have a listen to that episode. Go check it out. See what you think. It was good. I had a nice time. I had a nice time. Aww. So in strange news this week, there are spooky things happening near us, apparently. So this article was posted two hours ago from me writing this. So probably about seven hours ago now. And it's from the Liverpool Echo. Seven hours ago? I don't know what time it is. These people don't get it till Tuesday. A few days. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. For your reference, it's Sunday. There's an abandoned school in Merseyside which has been empty for 16 years. We're not going. It's grade two listed, and it's often the target of vandals and urban explorers. Yeah, we're not going. Because most abandoned places are. Some urban explorers recently posted a video of them checking the place out, and the video ended with one of them saying that they heard something in the dark and empty building. Ooh. There are rumours that it's haunted and scary things are happening there. Also, if you're in the UK and you watched Young Dracula on CBBC, that's the set for it. That's where they filmed it. How fun is that? It was built in 1884, like many of the buildings here, so it's pretty damn old. But apparently they're turning into apartments, like they do with everything. Oh. There are tons of old buildings in the city. I'm sure, like, some of them are pretty spooky. Yeah, they have some most of them knowledge. Almost definitely. Oh, yeah. A lot of them are super old. We should have, like, a a look into them. We should not. We should leave them alone. I mean, like, research. Oh, right. We can do that, yeah. Yeah, like a mini-sode about local spooky places. We can go stand outside and do a vlog, like we're doing a news report. 
but I'm not going in. I'm here at the building. Here we are, right outside the Liverpool Tobacco Warehouse. There might be ghosts in there. But we won't know. <laughs> but I'm not going to find out. <laughs> there are buildings in Liverpool that do ghost tours if you want to go to any of them. No. no I think I one of them is an abandoned orphanage, though. And if I see a child ghost, it would ruin my life. I'll take you to that one only. No. Okay, then. We won't do any. <laughs> I... I like the idea of doing a ghost tour because spooky. But I think if I really saw a ghost, I'd cry. I'd like to do one of those walking ghost tours. You know, like where they take you around the streets and they're like, whoa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then you're not in a building. You're not stuck in there. No. And there's probably traffic. Let's face it. We're in the city centre. That's going to make it feel a bit more normal, I think. Exactly. I like to learn about it. I don't want to be in a building where they're like, someone died here. And then... You know, they make it scary and then you're on edge and then you might see someone walk by and you're like, they're dead. But it's just like the caretaker. Yeah. And whenever I get scared, my eyes prick with tears. It's happening right now. It is. I don't know why. She's thinking about ghosts and she's crying. I thought back to, honestly, I thought back to the Black Mausoleum. The one in Edinburgh that we did the episode on. But you've not been, have you? No, but it scares me. (laughs) Kate, you don't have to go. Here I am. No one's making you go, lovely. Crying on the podcast. (laughs) All right. Is that your news? That's my news. Well, that was great news. Thank you for that. Is it really? No. So <laughs> my sources are Wikipedia, paisley.org.uk, paisleyonline.co.uk, witchcraftandwitches.com, occult-world.com, valdobson.co.uk, and paisleyenchantedthreads.co.uk. Okay. So, surprise, this is all set in Paisley, which is in Renfrewshire which is in central Scotland. Is that associated with the pattern? Bear with. These supposed witches and their trials have also been called the Renfrewshire Witches and the Bargaran Witches, but Paisley's a lot easier and appears to be more popular. So, it's me. I'm going to give you a bit of background on Paisley itself. Paisley's a town in west-central lowlands of Scotland. It borders Glasgow on the east and it's often called Scotland's largest town. The population somewhere around 78,000 people, and it's the fifth largest settlement in Scotland, but it doesn't have city status. All the way back in the... I don't know why I've written 11... I've, I've written 1,100s, but... That's um, pretty long ago. 1,100s. My God. It was, a, <laughs> it was a town huge on religion and had monastic origins. It had a priory that was turned into an abbey in 1245 and was cited as being a major religious centre for the Kingdom of Strathclyde. You may have heard of Paisley before because it was a weaving town that made shawls that had the Paisley pattern, which Ah. got hugely fashionable after Queen Victoria was seen wearing it. Unfortunately, though, this is not a fashion podcast. It's not, but I know so much about fashion. I'm so I'm so sorry. I actually don't, so... No. Every single episode, she wears a black band shirt, and that's it. Well, yeah. I mean, she wears, like, pants as well, don't get me wrong, but... Oh, no, I'm nude underneath. <laughs> Not again. Every episode, you manage to say that I you're make, nude. make people uncomfortable by constantly telling them that I'm naked. Mainly me. Mainly I wear me. black t-shirts because they're flattering on the camera. I'm not very photogenic. And Aww. it's the best I can do. I'm sure I can find a small violin to play. And you have a nice backdrop and I'm just like against a white wall. Is that good sad music for you? Thank you. (laughs) 
All right. Instead, we're going to be talking about the 1698 witch trials. It all started on the 17th of August 1696, when Christian Shaw, an 11-year-old girl who was the eldest daughter of Lord John Shaw, saw something she shouldn't have. I don't know why I've written this like a tongue twister. My goodness. One of the servant girls, Catherine Campbell, was stealing some of their milk. So Christian went and told her mum. Catherine. Catherine. You can't just take milk, honey. Well, she took the milk. And Christian was like, mum, she's just took our milk. And then obviously the mum reprimanded Catherine. When she did this, though, Catherine Campbell cursed Christian, saying that she wished the devil would haul her soul through hell. Oh my god. Honestly, fair enough. It's like the old version of snitches get stitches. I wish people still talked like that. Right. Could you imagine if you saw someone like... Stealing some milk. Nicking anything from the shop when you were like, I wish the devil would drag your soul from hell or whatever it was. Could you imagine living in student accommodation? You see someone nick a bit of vodka and you're like, I wish the devil would haul your soul through hell. I want to go back to uni so I can say that. (laughs) Good God, you would not be popular. I wasn't anyway. Oh, do you want me to whip out the small violin again? (laughs) (laughs) A few days after this, Agnes Naismith, came to the house to beg for food, as she sometimes did, because she was just a poor elderly woman and knew that the Shaws had had more than enough. And sometimes large houses like this would set a food... Oh my goodness. Could you believe that these are my own teeth? (laughs) So big houses would set aside food for beggars because the autumn and winters in Scotland are very cold, for those of you that do not know Scotland. Well, that's nice of them. It is. She spoke to the children, one of which was Christian, and then she went on her way. Not the religion, the child. The very next day... (laughs) I thought that was so funny. Did you write that in your notes? No, I didn't. I just thought on the cuff. The very next day, Christian started acting really odd. She'd been previously cited as respectful, religious, sensitive, and sensible. But when she was taking a nap in the middle of the day, she started struggling and crying in her sleep. Which is normal, just a nightmare. But after that, she jerked out of bed, (laughs) bounced off the door. (laughs) Sorry, what? (laughs) She she bounced. (laughs) Did you say she bounced off the door? (laughs) How did you do bounced off of it. I'm imagining like a bullshit <laughs> child. Mike, it's asking. Oh, okay. Bounced off the door and then became rigid and just stared at the wall for at least half an hour. Oh man, we've all been there. When you have one of those days where you just look at the wall. Yeah, just for half an hour. Honestly, sometimes it's a good way of spending the time. During this time, she was completely silent. And although her parents and maids were trying to snap her out of it, nothing changed. Then she immediately started screaming and writhing in pain, saying that knives were stabbing her all over. This carried on for two days, and then she started to convulse. After the convulsions, Christian started fighting and struggling with no one. She was struggling so hard that it took four men to keep her down. Bear in mind, she's 11. Mm. 
Around this time, she started talking again and said that it was Catherine Campbell, the milk stealer, and Agnes Naismith, the beggar, who were cutting her body open with knives. Obviously, neither of them were there. Doctors had been called as soon as she'd started to act strange, but none of their medicines were having an effect on her. They believed she was possessed, and even let some locals into the sick room each evening to watch what was happening. Oh. Kind of like a strange version of entertainment. That's not very nice. Christian's behaviour started to mimic the behaviour of the girls in the Salem witch trials, which happened only a few years before. Eight weeks after it all started, her parents took her to Dr Brisbane, who had been one of the early doctors to attempt to help her. She seemed okay for a few days, but by the time they'd arrived back home, Christian had gotten worse and was now pulling balls of hair out of her mouth, saying they'd been put there by Catherine and Agnes and the rest of their coven. From here it escalated, and Christian started vomiting up straw, pins, eggshells, orange pills, candle grease, feces, and small bones. When returned to Dr Brisbane, Christian apparently spat out a coal cinder which was as big as a chestnut and was nearly too hot to touch. The doctor announced that whatever was ailing her was supernatural. By this time, Christian was also covered in pinch marks. She was citing theological points from the Bible that were, like, way beyond her years. She was predicting the future, contorting her body. Her eyes were sinking to the back of her head. Once she was reported to fly unaided across her classroom, and another time she apparently picked up her glove from the ground without touching it with her body at all. Nice one. So because of this, Christian was now accusing just whoever she could, like, think of um, as being the witches that possessed her. She accused 35 people in total. Five of which are unknown, 10 were male and 20 were female. Since the problem didn't seem to be going away, it went to trial. So all of the people that she accused went to trial, but there were only seven that, like, got through the first trial and into the second one. Right. Because there was no evidence with the others. So the seven that had to appear were Margaret Lang, John Lindsay, James Lindsay, John Reed, Catherine Campbell, Margaret Fulton, and Agnes Nysmith. At the trial, Dr. Brisbane turned up to say it must be witchcraft because he could find nothing medically wrong with Christian. And James Hutchinson, who was the local minister, turned up to say that there were witches' marks on every single one of the seven accused, and that if the masks marks were attempted to be explained away by someone like a doctor then they could have been bribed by the devil okay they also did the good old get the accused to touch the accuser trick to see if they were witches and of course christian swooned and passed out in the courtroom when all of the accused touched her surprisingly the jury found all seven of the accused guilty after only seven hours of deliberation after they'd been threatened by the prosecutor, who said that if they acquitted the defendants, then they were, and this is a quote, accessory to all the blasphemies, apostasies, murders, tortures, and seductions, etc., whereof those enemies of heaven and earth shall hereafter be guilty when they get out. Nice. So basically, if, if you don't say they're guilty, you're like an accessory to murder. 
Or like torture. That sounds incredibly professional. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> Can't believe lore isn't like this anymore. So as we know from the previous witch trials we've covered, being found guilty of witchcraft is a capital offence. So all seven of these people were sentenced to death. James Reed, however, took his own life in his prison cell. The final six were hanged and burned on Gallow Green in Paisley on the 10th of June, 1697. It was the last mass execution because of witchcraft that took place in Western Europe. Wow. Bit of a gruesome fact. Apparently some of the accused were still alive when they were burnt. Oh. And the executioners borrowed a walking stick from Mark Canavan, who was there to watch the execution, so that they could push the limbs back in the fire as they were trying to get out. Oh my god. Ew, that's horrible. Mark declined to take the stick back afterwards because Agnes had laid a dying woman's curse on everyone present and their descendants. So since the stick had been touching the witches and, like, involved in their deaths, he was like, I'll just get a new one. Okay. The remains of the six were buried at Maxwellton Cross, at a site marked by a horseshoe and a circle of cobblestones. The locals believed that if the horseshoe was there, the town would prosper. And then it went missing in the 1970s because someone stole it. And everyone was like, oh no, a minor misfortune, it's the witches. Mm. All bar one of the suspects denied being a witch, and one did plead guilty, but announced she had since renounced that way of life, so begged to be pardoned. Since the trials and executions, Christian never convulsed or vomited strange items again, and went on to prosper as a wool manufacturer who helped introduce paisley patterns into the world. Wow. What a strange piece of history. Right? The family estate was sold on, and in 1839, a small hole was discovered in her old bedroom. People think that perhaps an accomplice passed the vomit into her bedroom. Like, the, the weird things found in her vomit. Because people did speculate at the time, all of the items she was bringing up were strangely dry, so it couldn't have been in her stomach. They just seemed to come from, like, the back of her throat. And that is it. No one really knows if they were witches. It's unlikely. It seems like with most witch trials, they were just poor people who had pissed off some rich people. Yeah. Three of the members of the jury were actually related to Christian. Wow. So it was never going to be a fair fight. Yeah. Nowadays, people think Christian just had a form of epilepsy in the beginning and then had a mental health disorder or just craved attention really badly because she was 11. Um, but so badly, she was literally willing to kill for it. What do you think? I think with these stories as well, kids especially, but everybody can sort of fall victim. Oh, I can't think of how to word it. Like, if they're told that witches exist and this will happen to you, mm -hmm. if they have any symptom of it, they're going to be like, that's a witch. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like internalizing it. Yeah, if someone's like, oh, you know, when you convulse, it's the doing of a witch. If you're 11, or I guess just in a time when this is a thing that goes on. Yeah, well, the Salem witches were literally a couple of years before, so yeah. I have no doubt there was like a paper or something about it. And you start convulsing, you're going to be like, that's that witch. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I think that's likely what happened. Yeah. Especially if a couple of days before she'd been 
damned to be dragged through hell or something by a yeah. girl that stole her milk. You know what I mean? I can understand how she would get to that. Yeah. And it makes sense that someone will be passing her stuff. Like if you found these people to be your enemy. Oh, yeah. And you wanted them gone. Yeah. Because people are just intense. That they are. It's crazy how people can just escalate everything to being like, that person's a witch. I know. And we should kill them. Right? Did you want to do the Sky Scales for witches? I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard because I'm like, if you take it on the assumption that there are witches, then... Yeah, I wasn't gonna, but it's like, I know what you mean. Like, if they were witches, then, then it's... They're witches, but if they're not witches, a bunch of people just died. I know, then it's just unfortunate. Yeah, then it's just a sad time. Also, God bless that one woman who was just like, I was a witch. Not no more, though. <laughs> right? She was like, look, you got me, but also... <laughs> yeah, I did it, on. but, like, not this. Well, I mean... In sort of the stuff I was reading, people were saying, like, you know, maybe they'd have given some, like, not potions, but you know what I mean, some kind of remedies. Like herbal yeah. mixes. But, like, just because that's what people did. You know what I mean? That's what a lot of witchcraft kind of came from, isn't it, with, with that? Yeah. And then people just started putting different spins on it and being like, they're killing us all. Yeah. No, they're not. No. <laughs> she just took a bit of milk. Well, I mean, they might have, but it's unlikely. It's unlikely that a coven of seven witches were attacking an 11-year-old girl. Yeah, for, like, no real reason. And making her, like, vomit up straw. It does feel a bit odd. What also felt a bit odd is that they were um, integrating young children into their coven to practice bad magic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very odd. Very, very odd. And a bit sketchy. Yeah. I think with those kind of stories, when they're older as well, people will just write whatever they think is right, and then you only know half of the story. Yeah. You know, it's entirely possible that this wasn't even happening to the extent of how it's written. It could have just been that she was, like, faking, you know, convulsing. You know, it was just kind of, like, not as intense as it sounds, I guess. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean... Part of the reason that everything was so hyped up and exaggerated at the time was because a body had been found um, and it was kind of a bit sketchy. Like, the person had been killed a few months before. They were related to Christian. I think it was, like, her granddad. Um, so everyone was kind of on high alert anyway. But they died three months before but then had been frozen. Right. Um, so then they found the body and it looked like they'd only been dead, like, a week. Or something. Right. So they were like, oh my god, butchers have been involved. And it was like, okay. I understand how you can get to that conclusion. And then I understand why that would make your 11-year-old act up. I wish you didn't, like, they didn't just trust like some kid, though, yeah. to kill a bunch of people. Can, can you believe that's a thing that happened? No. In On multiple, multiple yeah. occasions, they yeah. were just like, this one child. Yeah, we should definitely kill all these people. Because this kid said... Well, at least normally there was more than one person accusing people this was a powerful child this yeah it felt a bit like an excuse in this one yeah well thank you for the story though that was interesting i can't believe i hadn't heard of that before i know same especially with paisley patterns i know love a good paisley sure so on instagram which will be well instagram facebook and twitter 
at Myths Magic Pod. I'll post a photo of the Paisley pattern, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, and also the kind of memorial with the horseshoe um, and the cobbles. I, there's a better memorial there now, but that was like the original one that was put there. Can we not get any photos? Of what? Of the event. Oh, you mean back in the 1600s? Yeah. Oh, I've got a couple. Like, I didn't think they were very important, though, so <laughs> shut up. Go on, plug us. If you like the podcast and you want to follow us on social media, please do that at Myths Magic Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to see our little faces and get some extra exclusive content, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash mythsmagicmurder. Over on Patreon, like Abby says, you can see our beautiful smiling faces. And also, we give you a little bit extra. We do a coffee and a chat before each episode. We have also just put a an extra episode on there about liminal spaces, where we talk about that. Talk about more personal stuff. Yeah. Talk about Abby feeding birds from her mouth. So, Don't say that out of context. So if you want to hear about that, then go on Patreon. You can pay as little or as much as you want a month. It's just a nice time. You get to see what's going on. It's a wonderful time. You also get 10% off of our merchandise. Wink, wink, there'll be more merchandise coming soon. Keep your eyes peeled. And you can view the merchandise over on mythsmagicandmurder.com. Also on the website, referrals, submissions, tell us your stories, tell us stories you want us to cover. And if you have any haunted happenings, terrifying tales or spooky stories, you can email us on mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com. We we did get an email the other day. Um, I don't know if I can reply to it because it was through the website. But I see you. Thank you. We did. I've actually never been more excited. Yeah, people usually contact us through the email, but I don't think anyone's ever clicked on the button before. So Kate was extremely excited. Oh, yeah. Um, we also got a message that the Sasquatch is protected in British Columbia. You cannot kill it. Oh, good. Isn't that wonderful? I hope they all migrate there. So let's talk about the Delray Witch. Her name was Rose Veres. So I tried to figure out how you pronounce her surname because when I searched it, it said Varesh. But then I watched a graduation video of someone whose surname is the same because I needed anything and it was Veres. So I'm going to go with that, but I'm sorry if it's wrong. It's unclear online. At least you give it a good go. I gave it my, my best I didn't check anything. Kate. <laughs> also, this story is from quite a while ago, so the details aren't super clear. But now I feel silly for writing that because it's way more recent than yours. Yeah, get lost. Sources, crime <laughs> capsule, Karen Dibis, Dibis.com. I couldn't find that, but I did try. Metro Times and theneighborhoods.com. So this is a lesser known witch, witch story from Detroit. It was the 1930s and the nation was suffering from the Great Depression. So the neighbourhoods were expanding. What? Sorry, as if you thought that yours was going to be older than mine in the 1930s. Grow up. That's not even that long ago. No, but it wasn't well recorded. Whatever. I'm not having it. Mine's from the 1600s. Most witch trials are, which is why this is so bizarre. <laughs> so the neighbourhoods were expanding with immigrant communities, which meant lots of people didn't speak the same language. And apparently they have the worst mayor ever at the time. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, he was heavily supported by the KKK. Oh, Jesus. And was put into power through fraud. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, Rose lived in Delray, which was, or is, a neighbourhood in Detroit. She was originally born in Hungary in 1877. And as the Depression was impacting the area, unemployment was just higher than ever, and people were desperate to figure out how to make some money. So one way to do this was to board any extra rooms you had in your house, mm -hmm. you know, to others for a fee. Yep. 
so the jobless and those on lower wages would quickly sort of snatch up these rooms. They were usually makeshift and not very well maintained. Sounds like every flat in London. (laughs) Rose decided she would do this, you know, for the income, so she let others rent out the rooms of her house. Many people staying in her house were auto workers because Henry Ford's car company was one of the largest employers in the area. Wow. She lived with her husband, Gabor. Gabor? Sorry, I'm trying. You've just said it exactly the same way twice. (laughs) Gabor? Gabor? And she had two sons. One of them was also called Gabor. Oh my God. And another was called William. But sometimes he went by Bill. That's hilarious. Gabor and Bill. (laughs) Gabor, Gabor and Bill. It wasn't long after opening her home to the others in the area that Rose started to face trouble. In 1925, she got on police's radar because two of the boarders in her house died from acute alcohol poisoning. Oh, yikes. So she was arrested on suspicion of murder, um, but she was released because they didn't have any evidence. Two years later, she was back again because her husband, Gabor, and a tenant died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh my God, if it's not her, she's got the worst luck. This made people question whether she was behind these deaths, especially because the neighbours were starting to call her a witch. Well, yeah. And some of them refused to testify against her. They said they were afraid to catch her eye because she could make their children sick and make their husbands lose their jobs. They thought she knew all kinds of magic. She looked a little strange and she oddly influenced others. This is you if you lived alone. (laughs) (laughs) On the plus side, the other boarders didn't speak much English at all, so when it came to giving statements... They said they didn't speak enough English to say anything, so the police just had to move on without any evidence. Okay. Which was fortunate for her. However, a year or two later, other people moved into the house, and everything changed. So it was August 1931, and a man who was called Steve Mack, apparently, fell off of a ladder. He was working on the third floor window of, like, the attic, on the outside of the building, Mm -hmm. when he suddenly fell from the ladder... One witness claimed that he was pushed by a pair of arms from the window, and moments later, Rose peered out of it. Oh. The witness also said that right before this, he heard Rose arguing from that room, and this was backed up by the testimony of another man named John Walker, who also claimed to have seen the incident. He told the police that Rose had killed Steve and admitted it to him. He said that Rose and her son William, as well as one other tenant, had beaten and poisoned Steve... And when he failed to die, they threw him out the window and put the ladder there as a decoy to make it look like he accidentally fell. Oh, that's a bit over the top. Elaborate. Isn't it? Yeah, Christ. The medical examiner gave some credit to the theory, though, because they found multiple injuries on Steve's skull, which were not consistent with just falling off of a ladder. True, but if a man works on a ladder. True. Do you know what I mean? I injure myself. And I have a desk job. They also found a blood-stained gas pipe in the cellar of the home. Okay, you know what, Rose? I tried. I tried to be on your team. John told the police that Rose had offered him $500 if he didn't say anything to the police. Well, he's not getting his money. The other families in the area also gave statements, including a little girl who lived across the street. That morning, the girl was making mud pies in front of her house, and she'd heard the stories people were saying of the local witch, which really scared her. There were stories that she would prowl the alleys at night looking for victims. 
I've always been the child. Did they thought that the child would prowl the alleys? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought you meant. No. I understand. So when Rose exited the house that morning, the little girl was like, oh my god, that's the witch. Because she'd seen the witch everyone was talking about. She claimed that she saw Rose giving instructions to John, and then claimed that she saw Rose put a ladder against the window. She said she saw the man climb the ladder and sit on the windowsill for a second. He was holding a box of nails and a hammer, and then he put those onto the windowsill as well. Seconds later, his tools fell, and he began falling to the ground. The boarders who were around the house and, you know, the other witnesses, they ran in to get Rose. At first, it wasn't considered foul play because the officers knew that locals referred to Rose as a witch. So they knew people feared her anyway. And they were like, it's just stories. It's whatever. After everyone gave their statements, though, she was quickly arrested. So the interrogation was really long and Rose didn't say much. She said she didn't speak much English or any English at all, but when a witness was in front of her, apparently she said, you should keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Rose. She also maintained that his death was an accident. As more and more people came forward to say that Rose was an evil witch who'd killed this man, the police started to believe that she was in fact casting the evil eye at her neighbours and was trying to influence the others. She allegedly pointed her finger at them in a strange way, and they were like, She's trying to hypnotise us. Her sons were also interrogated. I'm not sure how old Gabor is, but it seemed like William was 18 at the time. Nearly a week after the incident, Rose broke down and admitted that she did push him. It had been days of constant interrogation. She said she was desperate for money and she was the beneficiary on Steve's life insurance policy. Well, after days of interrogation, you're going to admit to anything. I'm not being funny. That is true. Upon further investigation, apparently, police discovered that she had several husbands and was part of various life insurance policies, at least 50. Oh, Jesus. And no one's noticed till now. They found 12 deaths that they associated with her, some from alcoholism, some from carbon monoxide poisoning, and several undetermined. Mm-hmm. They didn't stand a chance in prison because everyone thought that she was a witch and a bad person anyway, which definitely didn't help. Rose and William were found guilty of the crimes and they were both sentenced to life in prison. Yikes. But after this, an attorney was able to obtain a new trial and um, William was released and dismissed of all charges. Oh. And then there was more effort to release Rose because everyone had such a poor public view of her. It was argued that she had been outcast and everyone placed blame on her immediately when she arrived because her English was never strong, mm. she was a bit eccentric, she was outcasted, and this kind of snowballed into rumours that she was a witch. And then her reputation was destroyed. So as soon as she was connected to deaths, it was just like, well, she obviously did it, you know? Yeah. It is a bit, I don't know, having that many deaths around you in one place. True. In a short span. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's a little sketchy. I think we would... We would be worried about you regardless of whether you're a witch or not. There were stories that she cut people up and ate them and poisoned their wine. God. And in, all in all, it was argued that her second in her second trial that her case was severely mishandled because she was an immigrant who didn't know the justice system and she was just trying to make some extra money. The conditions weren't good because they weren't anywhere and her attorney was terrible. And then Rose gave her own version of the story with a translator. 
and she was freed after 14 years in prison. Wow. And her reputation was cleared. Good. So it's unknown whether she did kill these people or whether it was a big misunderstanding. And it's hard when a case is like quite old and doesn't have much information because mm. you can just say things. Oh, yeah. And we don't know. We yeah. have no idea. You but, could say that she had two heads and I'd be like, okay. Yeah, there is a woman um, that is... She's written books and done seminars about this case and how it was like a big misunderstanding. Mm. And there's like, you know, hours of that stuff online. But I just think it is interesting that you can have... Obviously, this is a case of murder. It's more of like a, is this woman a serial killer kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But with all the witch stuff that ended up impacting like everyone's personality, everyone's... Perception. Thought, yeah, perception of her personality and stuff. In the 1930s... Is kind of crazy to me. Uh, I don't know, because the cultural differences are absolutely crazy. You know what I mean? If you've got that many immigrants coming in, you've got the depression, tensions are high. Everyone was xenophobic at that point anyway. So. Oh, no, I get it. But I mean, like, it's not like Salem or like your one where everyone thought they were casting spells. It was just a rumour that went out of control. Yeah. And people were like, she's casting the evil eye on me. She's going to make yeah. me lose my job and kill my kids. Well, I think it's easy in that kind of time period, obviously not excusing it, but I think it would be easier to think that because, for example, right, let's say um, you used to have a Polish mate, didn't you? Yeah. And they ate chicken hearts. Mm -hmm. If you saw that nearly 100 years ago, what would you have thought? If you were a kid making mud pies, right, in front of your house... And then you see this woman grabbing the heart out of a chicken and eating it. You'd be like, that's a witch. I don't think that they did that. <laughs> no, but like... But yeah, no, I know the cultural differences. I get it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's absolutely just... You just don't think about it now because obviously, for the most part, everyone's pretty accepting of everyone's different like cultural Cultures identity. Cultures are very blended nowadays. Yeah. You know, everyone just kind of does whatever they want. Yeah. That is true. So yeah, I'm not surprised they thought she was a witch, but like... I don't, I don't, from what you've told me, I don't think she was a witch. Whether she was a murderer or not is up for debate, but like. No, I, I just thought it was quite interesting because even if she did kill people or whether she didn't, cars existed in 1930s. Yeah. People were like, she's a witch. I know, it's. it's <laughs> Enough that she should be like put on trial for murder. I mean, you know, separate from her being a yeah. murderer. Like, it's, I'm trying to separate the two and also combine them, you know what I mean? No, it's absolutely crazy that like. People can still go to trial for sort of being a witch. Yeah, like you kill these people and also you're a witch. Right. But everyone's like, witches don't exist. Make up your mind. <laughs> Please. Pick a side. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, but I thought that was quite interesting, but that's all there is, unfortunately. I know, yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Witches are, or, you know, alleged witches. They're hard to get info on, for sure. Well, yeah, because no one believes them, but also everyone believes it. Yeah. Well... That was good. I learned a lot. Me too. Big knowledge. Big brain. Huge brain. Wrinkled brain. Oh my god. Okay, before we talk about the brain more, I'm leaving. Okay. Don't listen before bed. Listen before bed. <laughs>